So, first episode that I've ever done of anything podcasting, <laughs> ever. Uh, and obviously, we're in the lockdown at the moment, so affectionately, this will be known as Lost in the Lockdown. I thought it was very apt to do that, especially <laughs> given the nature of the show and where we all seem to find ourselves in the world right now. So anyway, welcome. Um, thank you for joining me. Um, so we'll start today with the pilot episode of Lost. So I'll just open it up first time and just say, how did you come to find the show, really? If anyone wants to start off. I was trying to remember. <laughs> I, I've not... <laughs> Uh, how long ago was it? Like, I think it's, it started in 2004. Yeah. I've got it here. It start, September 2004 was when it first aired in the States. So I would have been... How old? <laughs> okay. Well, I'm 34 now. So how old would I have been back then? Uh, well, it's 16 years ago, I think. Jesus. Okay. So <laughs> I was living at home with my parents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I think if I'm probably making a massive presumption because I did this with most films and TV. I probably downloaded the first episode on yeah. some P2P or stream site or something. Um, <laughs> Don't but, suppose you remember ISO Hunt? <laughs> yeah, probably something like that. Yeah. Or, yeah, or Torrent <laughs> probably. But yeah, I don't think, um, I think it was just kind of word of mouth and we didn't have, I don't think we had Twitter back then or Facebook. So it was kind of, I looked on, maybe IGN and they were kind of like pimping it up and saying it's going to be the biggest new show. If my knowledge, I, I'll have to double check this, but I think this was at the time, especially like ABC would, they just brought out or the, that season they were doing Desperate Housewives, I think lost. And then I, th I, I believe Grey's Anatomy started then as well. So they had like those three big hitters all at once, but initially it was like doomed to fail all three of them, I believe. And I, and I'll, I was going to get into it in a bit, but I do know that the, initially the guy who greenlit it, I believe, was temporarily fired because at the time it was the most expensive pilot. And they said, yeah. why, the hell, why the hell did you do this? Yeah, I read that last night while I was looking through some trivia as well. It's like they heard the pitch and they were like, nah, I don't think so, mate. And then it goes on to become, you know, what we all know and love. I was like, eh, maybe we should get him back. I was going to say, I think it, it cost anywhere between 10 to $14 million at the time, which, to be honest with you, I can't really think. That's surely still got to be high up in the the cost of pilots in TV land, even by today's standards. And, and especially in, in 2004 money, you know? Yeah, it was, it was suicide immediately. <laughs> <laughs> Absolute immediately, especially because I think it would probably be largely to do with, like, purchasing the plane really yeah and blowing it all up <laughs> i'm thinking all about the uh like the travel because of, they filmed in did they film in hawaii mm -hmm. yeah that was the home of the show yeah oahu yeah so it's yeah so it's to get all your crew out there and then all the all the all the cast and there was and you know in the first few shots of the well the, the um opening shot of the beach and you see like like hundreds of people there basically You've got Florida's people over there, you've got Kate Florida's people, get all your rigs down. It's, yeah, I mean, 40 million, it's, I mean, it could have easily been much more than that. That's what I was thinking, actually, when I was watching it. I was thinking at the time, and still by today's standards, 14 million does seem a lot. But when you look at what they managed to get on screen and what they actually managed to achieve in those just under two hours, I guess, 
It's actually quite cheap in a way. Yeah, it looks like a movie. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I was going to say, so I think I first discovered it. it was on Channel 4 originally, if I remember. Yeah. And I remember seeing trailers for like the week before the week before it aired. Mm-hmm. And I I believe that both parts aired at the same time in the UK, whereas they aired one after the other uh, in the States. But I just remember watching them at my nan's house because I was staying over. <laughs> <laughs> I distinctly remember it for some reason. And that was it. I was hooked. And I think for me as well, that was like the f- it was the first like serialized TV series I'd watched. Something along those lines anyway. Yeah. I, I mean, I think I think I was the same. I, I definitely watched it on Channel Four, and I remember those those adverts that they ran. I don't know if if they were specifically to just for Channel Four. I don't know if they do that. That's probably quite expensive for them to do. But it was just uh, all the cast standing moodily on the beach while there was like whispers going on in the background. I, I vividly remember that advert, and then I remember sitting down, like like you, Scott. I was still living at home with mum and dad, so <laughs> me and my dad. It was like appointment television, watched it every single week. Um, and it was one of those ones, as you say, no Facebook, no Twitter. So you're like, you couldn't help but talk to everybody about it, you know, because mm-hmm. everybody seemed to watch it. So it was just one of those ones where I hate using the phrase watercolor TV, but it really was at the really time, was. you know? Yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, definitely like around school and everything, I do remember everyone was just saying, what was it in the trees and stuff like that mm-hmm. and then you'd have a, basically all your theories about <laughs> what the monster was and everything yeah. like that as a you know as a bare minimum everything else was just part and parcel right sweet so i guess we'll just get into the episode really so my my initial thoughts for it um were obviously straight away you know who your protagonist is because obviously it opens on the, the eye opening of jack um, and you're immediately aligned with that guy as he realizes he's slightly injured and then he runs through the trees and like we've already mentioned, there's just hundreds of people and you're you're met with this huge chaos. You can hear the fire and everything and the explosions and just the general scenario, you've immediately thrown into this madness. I mean, from a general point of view, you, you don't expect it to go where it goes later on in the series. <laughs> But from a beginning perspective, it just sucks. For me, and disagree, obviously, if you want, but for me, those opening 20 minutes or so successfully introduce every single person that you're going to know over the next two seasons or so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Within just a matter of minutes. Yeah. And that's all through him saving them basically yeah it's it's very it's very good it's as I say, it's very efficient economic storytelling and that opening you said the opening 20 minutes and yeah even the opening six or seven just like before the, the wing falls down um like that's just relentless and it tells you everything you need to know about about jack certainly yes um but just just the the introduction of maybe there's about six or seven main characters in that first first little bit yeah, there's there's Claire Hurley. Uh, I think Charlie's in there briefly. I know you get a glimpse, of, you get a glimpse of Locke, but he's not really focal at this point. Michael is is on the beach shouting for Walt, as he will be doing quite a lot, <laughs> as he always does. 
<laughs> that got old very quick. <laughs> <laughs> is it it's Jin, isn't it? I'm trying to remember Jin everybody's son, name. Yeah, yeah. Jin's son. Jin's son, yeah. Jin's shouting on the beach as well. Um, but yeah, no, it's such a great opening. And like, I was surprised it was only only six or seven minutes that first bit because when I, I remember watching it for the first time and it felt like it was an episode in itself yeah it could be an episode in itself you know that's it you just immediately straight into the middle of something you think where the hell are we what's going on yeah and you come out of the trees and you're like oh shit this is <laughs> how are they here but you haven't got to yeah. it's almost like you don't you don't have time to know what that is and neither does jack he's just got to call into action mm. and save all these people and like you've said yeah you know it, it tells you everything albeit briefly you need to know about him as a person and a character especially going forward mm -hmm. I think it's probably one of the most efficient character introductions line ever. I agree. Um, I think because you know all three of us have you know pretty much agree on the point that it tells you everything you need to know about Jack. Um, when he opens his eyes, it's like okay, it's almost explicitly telling you this is this is our character. This is like the main character. This is where we're going to be running with for the next six years by giving him the occupation of Doctor. It immediately makes him heroic without even knowing anything else about him so they put the the, the doctor occupation or the sorry the spinal surgeon occupation on him immediately he becomes more aim, uh, amiable and uh, more well regarded and then once he gets to the beach and he's running around helping people you think okay so he's almost like a superhero so this guy's um this guy's obviously written to become a major focal point and uh, someone that they're all going to be looking up to. Yeah, I think those leadership qualities are immediately apparent. Yeah, and that, yeah, the fact that he's a surgeon, it just like throws you straight up to the top of the pecking order in terms of leadership qualities. But I, what I did find interesting is that, like, obviously we learn across the seasons, like other people kind of vie from the leadership sort of spot, um, like Locke. Locke has a lot of leadership qualities and. Um, uh, Sawyer as well and Kate to a, to a lesser degree but it's interesting how you don't really get any kind of protest from anyone to what Jack's doing everyone just kind of lets him do his thing so I was just kind of thinking like was would, was that on purpose Did they purposely just want it all to be Jack and no one at all would come in and try to kind of oust him well I mean this this could bring us to a good point actually because I don't know if you knew this anyway or it's part of the trivia but originally his character was going to be killed off by the end of this pilot <laughs> i didn't know that <laughs> yeah and and played by michael keaton wasn't that what the, the rumor was that's correct yeah they wanted hold on a second so the role was originally offered to michael keaton and they initially wanted him to die mm -hmm. midway through and apparently the pilot that gets uh, munched by the monster um was going to be jack and he was going to be the one in the tree at the end of the first half of the pilot I mean, I know who that is. Yeah. JJ Adams' best mate, Greg Grunberg. <laughs> <laughs> Who's sadly died in many, many a JJ Abrams film. <laughs> it is quite funny that, that, that you mention that, though, because when I was watching the episode last night, it's it, it seems like they didn't really rewrite it. They just, well, they just changed the character names and then Jack just stumbles out of the jungle, you know? <laughs> so it's like, eh, I don't think he changed the script that much. Uh, he just kept him alive once he wasn't as, as famous an actor. Um, but I thought that was interesting. I thought I think that would have been a good way to go if you had cast somebody like a like a big well known name. Yeah. Uh, just just the, you know that kind of 
power move to let you know, oh, this this show isn't messing about. You know, they'll they'll kill Michael Keaton, for example. Well, for me, that would have been at the age I first watched it. I'd be like, oh my god, you've just killed Batman. <laughs> How rude! <laughs> it's, you know, it'd blow, it'd blow everything out of the water for me. No pun intended there, but I mean, I don't think there's any doubt whatsoever that as soon as you see Jack, you're just like, right. I, I don't know about you, but I just immediately thought I like this dude. I don't know why. He has a likable face. Matthew Fox, yeah, he does, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> and he's just very apparent and there's all that urgency in him and then I think where I was coming from when I said like the first 20 minutes obviously you get all the initial chaos out of the way so obviously he saves uh, Claire I believe yeah Claire gets her out of the way of everything exploding mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I always th- I always thought that was really funny when you know init- I think it's when the engine blows up that guy gets sucked in which is obviously <laughs> you know every plane film that where there's a plane crash someone has to get sucked into an engine it just makes me think of the Incredibles with the cape joke, but um, <laughs> um, so I always thought it was really amusing that she gets blown forward, and I'm thinking she's eight months pregnant. Surely that's going to like cause <laughs> potential problems further down the line, but it does, but of a different variety. <laughs> yeah, because in 2004, I was I was a young man, and watching this in 2020, it's like I have two kids. It's like that's that's very that's very unsafe, Claire. You know, watch yourself there. <laughs> <laughs> but even even now it just feels like one of those silly like jj abrams kind of plot points that you know you don't really think about too much you just kind of go with it and you just think yeah, yeah third trimester eight months pregnant why not? you know sure just you know that's fine but what i was thinking in terms of those first 20 minutes is obviously you get through all that chaos he saved all these individual characters that are going to become like the bread and butter of the show as it moves forward but then it's that bit immediately after when it's all kind of calmed down and he goes himself to kind of tend to his own wound. Yeah. And I think that's the next bit for me when he, he meets Kate and he starts, you know, confiding in her about his backstory almost. And again, it's something that sometimes, I guess, depending on the actor, like we've already said, he's quite likable. In, in lesser hands, that's just kind of like exposition for basil exposition i guess you know just talking to the audience and telling them things but you just you know you all of a sudden within 10 minutes you've got the heroic qualities and then you start to feel like you know this guy already he he starts talking about that spinal surgery that went wrong and how he he needed to just let the fear in and then be called to action and you just think oh shit he's just done that (laughs) that's so clever yeah Yeah, brilliant (laughs) it's just perfect writing and I remember, mm. I, like, the other night when I was watching it, I was pausing it for the minutes. And I think that was about on the 17th minute. And you just think, it's like we've said, it's efficient. It's perfect. I can't argue. I wonder if um, there's a moment, you know, just before he runs onto the beach. I, I didn't notice, and I've only thought about it there now, where he, he does that five-second count before running onto the beach. Do you know what? I've never noticed that. And if there is, that's even more genius. I'm not sure if there is. I'm going to go back and watch it to see if they've done that. <laughs> Oh, God. I mean, that would be pretty good. I'll be disappointed now if it doesn't happen. But <laughs> it's funny that like the, the scene on the beach, when I was watching it there the other night, I thought, I wonder if looking back on this, it's going to look cheap. You know the way sometimes you go back to something and it's like, oh, dear, that's not nearly as good as I thought it was. But it holds up so, so well. And, and I don't even think like you'd get away with it now. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I really don't think certain 
production companies or anything to be like, you want to take a what to a to a Wahoo? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing because I mean, it is all real, bar a couple of of like CGI explosions, like your man getting sucked through the engine. You know that all that stuff was there. You know, you can't fake that really. I don't think. No. Um, so it lends it a real sort of visceral feel as well, which is which is beneficial to it. Absolutely. I think I just it's interesting to make a uh, a note for me anyway because going further down the line especially in cinema they've become obviously uh, people quite near and dear to me so whether you think it or not JJ Abrams obviously one of the creators of the show and then obviously went on to do both Star Trek and Star Wars but Damon Lindelof mm-hmm. as well wrote the story for this one and then obviously he'd go on to be the sh- main showrunner alongside Carlton Cuss I believe is his name but it's just interesting how they were there from the very beginning and there was all this talk obviously going through the series did they know where they were going well yeah. i guess you could say <laughs> yes and no <laughs> depending <laughs> on how you feel as as the show went on mm-hmm. ended but you know i just found it quite nice to know because i didn't actually know that that damon lindelof was there from the beginning um it's quite nice to know that he stayed the course in a way he it was kind of like his baby and he clearly had an idea of where they wanted to go with it. I think there's there's a moment in uh, the, the second part, not to jump ahead too much, but that I think is is quite um, telling of how the the story in Lost works. You know, so they're they're going, the group is going to get the the signal on the satellite phone. I think it is, and um, they run into the the polar bear, yeah. and it's just like that's that. I mean, that's one of those ideas where it's like just throw in the polar bear now. We'll explain <laughs> it later. You know, and that that sort of encapsulates sort of a lot of Lost storytelling. Like I love Lost, but some of the things are just like, okay, I, I'm I'm waiting for this payoff. It's going to come at some point. I hope. Well, you know, just whilst we're talking about that, I I have spent years defending the polar bear thing <laughs> <laughs> because it does it does actually get explained at one point, but people are like, oh no, they never explain polar bears. I'm like, they do actually explain the polar bear thing, but. Anyway. They do, they do. And it's it's quite a satisfying explanation, I thought, as well. Yeah, I agree. It's it's yeah, it just annoyed me, but further down the line I'm sure we'd get to that. <laughs> but obviously Sawyer unle- unleashes his wild side and does it in. But I agree with you. If I was writing a show where I wanted to go, right, what's crazier than the bushes moving and a weird noise? clearly something huge i'm like oh, stick a polar bear on there why not it's a tropical island <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. so just a bit of a quick rewind then so obviously he's starting to get these core characters involved so obviously we know jack's the main dude we've got claire hurley Jin and son obviously the one person we're not mentioned is saeed um who has long been one of my favorite characters on the show he starts to organize the cleanup group. And again, you start to, it's kind of like what you were saying, um, Scott, that he's got those leadership qualities, but no one ever necessarily vies for it in terms of what Jack represents. It's always like they, they agree with him, they understand him, but they all also have their own roles within everything. And I quite liked that. But I also quite like that they've all got their own attributes. So he's like the techni- technical wizard. <laughs> I don't know if anyone picked up on that. And then it's just like, he's the dude for the rest of the show. That's going to be the technical guy. It is very much like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> he's the tech guy. He's the cool exactly. guy. He's the 
he's the really annoying one. He's the <laughs> yeah. It's they all kind of have these stereotypical sort of or archetypal sort of character um, uh, or occupations sort of tacked onto him. But what I really liked about Saeed is well, actually, one thing is that I completely forgot about his fate in the show. I had to kind of go back and remind myself, and I was like, did he actually die really early on or not? But um, yeah, me too. I like this little interaction. I think it might be in the second part. He has a little conversation with Hurley and Hurley's like interested about, you know, how he knows about all this stuff. And he's like, oh yeah, I did like comms and stuff. Oh, well for like, you know, the Air Force and his like, <laughs> like National Guard or something for like Iraq or something. Republican Guard. That's it, Republican Guard. And Hurley's reaction is just brilliant. That's actually quite interesting because when this got released, obviously this was what, three years after 9-11. So it was quite, yeah. it was obviously still very raw, still very new. And then oh, yeah. you, you do this kind of. I know it's not necessarily like uh, the yeah. reason the plane goes down isn't to do with that, obviously, as you later find out. But putting someone of Sa- Saeed's ethnicity, I guess, into the show and obviously feeding it with those potential plot lines would have, I guess, attracted viewership in a way. It's a storyline that would have tantalized a certain audience. They kind of got that thing out of the way very quickly, which is. Which is um really well done because they didn't have any kind of context to this scene but where Sa- uh, Saeed and Soy have that little fist fight on the beach yeah. there's no kind of yeah. build up to it, it's just like we're going to get this thing done and dusted this yeah. um, uh, it's kind of you know any preconceived notion that he could be a terrorist we're not going to kind of skirt over, we're not going to um, focus on that too much, so to skirt over it to get it done, right that's it now he's a decent dude Yeah, and I do actually think when they do eventually go into Saeed's backstory, even though it is taking place, obviously, when he's in the Republican Guard. It's all dealt with very, um, very well. And it's all tastefully done. Tastefully done, yeah. He's not a bad guy at all. And that'll bring me nicely, as we've already mentioned, onto Hurley, who I think, I guess, is kind of the heart and soul of the show in a way. He's the, he's the nice one. <laughs> the cheerful chap with all the bad luck, but we don't know that just yet. But I don't know. who Who is everyone's favourite character? I forgot about the the whole thing with uh, Hurley's bad luck. Oh yeah, Shit. like there's so much of the show I've forgotten about that I really just can't wait to watch again. We've we've got that to come, lads. <laughs> <laughs> if you stay if you stay in the course, you've got the. F- I'll not be ner- I'll not be nerdy just yet, but I know them off by heart. <laughs> <laughs> we've got the whole numbers business. But uh, that, like Hurley's great. I mean, I guess every show has that everyman character. Um, but yeah, yeah. is is the one the one character you just love from the start? You know. Yeah, I think it's because he's got the... He kind of has the stoner dude vibe. He, just, <laughs> he goes, dude. Yeah. He, he's got the Keanu thing. Dude. Like, um, but yeah, I guess one of... The, whilst I'm just looking through the character list here, I've got my tablet up, but just running through them. So, like, you've got the pretty boy in Boone, I guess, like we're saying about archetypal. Right. But then you've got the annoying bratty sister, Shannon. Yeah. I'm not sure if I ever liked her from the beginning. <laughs> no. I, I just have a note written. <laughs> I just have a note written down here. Shannon is awful. I, yeah. <laughs> Shannon and Boone are both morons. They're, oh, they're awful. Like Boone becomes a bit more interesting when he, he goes off with Locke, but then yes. that doesn't last very long. No. Um, Shannon is just terrible. And I, again, you mentioned um, looking up the fate of characters. It's like, yeah. I cannot remember what happened to her. She... Oh, no, wait, I just have. <laughs> She she gets shot by someone, does she not? It's her fate. Is it tied to Walt in some way? I think she is. It is it um, Michelle Rodriguez? 
could be Anna Lucia accidentally, sh- or someone accidentally shoots her for some reason. I think you're right, though, Scott. It's tied to Walt in some way. He's always fucking off guy missing. <laughs> With the bloody dog. The bloody dog. <laughs> that bloody dog. <laughs> Cute dog, but yeah. bloody nuisance. Why? Why do you call your character Bone? <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? Hang on a second. I'm just going to go on his on his wiki page and see if he's actually that's his like his nickname at all, or if they ever gave him any. No, no, that's uh, his name. <laughs> Bone, Boone, Booney. Boone Carlisle. Yeah. Boone Carlisle. I think they're effective characters because they're clearly meant to be these. Well, he's a he's definitely a moron, and she is just this vapid, um, self-centered. She, she she's your classic Kardashian type, um, yeah. Proxy, um, and yeah, you know, fortunately she is off quite early on. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the whole side thing I didn't really get. Oh God, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> like a booty call. Uh, yeah, well, you're on a desert island. There's not much to do, mm-hmm. I guess. But well, she, she's mostly she was the most illegible, like lady there because she had like Rose, who was, you know, no go. You had <laughs> um, Claire, Claire who was like eight months preggers. You had Son who was like a, a beaten wife at the time and, fa- and faking that she could speak English. Right. Yeah, and then Kate had googly eyes <laughs> for Jack, and that was it. So. It's, yeah, so that she obviously had to, they had to have some kind of eye candy in there yeah. for some characters, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just reading here. I didn't know this, but <laughs> this kind of sums up Boone in a way. His occupation is lifeguard. <laughs> oh, yeah, because they had that line about the pens, didn't you? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Which, yeah. <laughs> Which one's good? They're all good. <laughs> you see, that that from uh, Ian Summerholder, he delivers it in such a wimpish way, and then Matthew Fox is just dead cool. He's like, they're all good. <laughs> yeah. You just think, oh, he's too cool, man. He's too cool. It's that part whenever um, everything sort of calms down and, and Jack's just taking a breather, um, just before Boone comes in, I think it, that's the first hint of like what would become known as the lost, I guess, the score, um, the, the Giacchino score. Yeah. And I just forgot how good it was. I was I was drawing through Spotify for the, uh, I think it's one of the season three soundtracks. Yeah, I can't remember what it's called, but it's near the end. I think it's the it's the not Penny's boat yeah. moment. Oh my god! Um, oh, it's just it's just so good. My my absolute. <laughs> I mean, we'll get to it, but that is my all time favorite episode of TV ever. Yeah. Oh yeah. Not yeah. just not just lost that whole. It's season three finale. That whole business is just so well done. It's, it's oh, crazy. Yeah, it's fantastic. But that that score is just uh, it's amazing. It's so great. I was going to say as well, and I think one of the things that blew my mind, like you say, w- w- when the credits do start finally come up after everything's died down a little bit, and you see everyone's names coming up, you've got to remember as well at the time, and I think still by today's standards, I believe there was like 14 or 15 main speaking roles in this show, yeah. which is ridiculous to me yeah it's such a massive multicultural show as well which again at the time was just probably unheard of really so not many i think the not many the great thing about lost like the legacy of the show is that it was probably the first of its kind you know where you could have an ensemble cast and it could be this um really high production serial um and also you didn't have any name actors really in there I think the only, I think obviously you had, um, you know, Dominic Monaghan was known, of course, from doing Lord of the Rings. Um, 
but other than that, there wasn't like any big marquee stars attached to it. So it's quite. It should be. I think it should be best remembered really for being such an incredible show without having um, any big actors attached to it. Yeah. yeah, I think it kind of stands to reason that the performances. I've, I've never watched it, but I think Matthew Fox was in Party of Five, I believe. Yeah. So he might have been known to like American audiences, and like you say, Don Monaghan. But other than that, there wouldn't have been anybody. Yeah, really. I think all had experience in TV but, work. Obviously, um, Ter- Terry yeah. O'Quinn was. I think he he'd been in many movies. Oh, of course. Um, Stepfather. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Class. <laughs> um, <laughs> If anyone does actually listen to this and watch The Stepfather, it's great. <laughs> Sorry, bit of a sidebar there. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I just I, looking back on it, you think most of the big shows we have now, like on Netflix and HBO, I'm, I'm between that and The Sopranos, I reckon, I reckon Lost was pretty much the catalyst for m- many, if not most, of those types of shows now. In terms of scale, and, oh, 100%. And what, I could, what I could do with it. Um, you think about how many shows started doing flashbacks, <laughs> like the immediate aftermath of either lost beginning or or definitely finishing. Yeah. You know, there's so many of these non-linear shows that just decided to throw in flashbacks as a way of exposition, and it didn't work half as well. They never ever tie it into like the one thing that Lost did really well was tie it into the themes of the overall episode, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So, like, the flashbacks were always relevant to what was happening on the island, but they could work independently, too. Mm -hmm. And I think when other shows tried to copy that, they couldn't work it right. Yeah, the the, the shows I was thinking of that sort of sprang up in in Lost's wake, I'm not sure if they happened uh, after it had finished or while it was still on TV, but I remember two specifically. There was one that was Flash Forward. um, Oh, my God, yes. And it was, like, it was... I lost Wannabe. I think I, I managed about three episodes and I, I quit. And there was another one called The Event. And they were both not good. Um, like, it, it just really front-loaded everything with, there's this crazy mystery, just like in Lost, you know? Um, <laughs> it just, it, yeah, it was a copycat, but it was just, it, they were no good. I mean, I guess maybe Lost got there first. And if they had come first, maybe they might be what we're talking about now. But yeah. no, there's just... There's something special about Lost, I think, that those other shows didn't have. I definitely remember Flash Forward because I, unlike yourself, kept up with it. <laughs> uh, I can't remember the massive resolution of it, but it was Joseph. It was Joseph Fiennes, wasn't it? And oh yeah, everyone blacked out for five minutes or something daft like that. And why did they do that? Funnily enough, also had Don Monaghan in it. Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah, he was like one of the main. I don't think he was like the baddie, but he was involved in why everyone started passing out for some reason. Okay. Because <laughs> reasons. Away from heroin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Smack. <laughs> Which I guess, now that we're mentioning him, brings me on to Charlie, who, again, also love. I don't know. I, I feel like it's a show where all the characters, aside from maybe Boone and Shannon, as we've already said, <laughs> you know, all these characters are likable in some way. And I think Charlie, even though he's got his issues, bless him, um, and a cracking song, which I was singing all to myself. I don't know about any of you two, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> Drive Shaft, phenomenal. Because, <laughs> I mean, initially, you don't think he's got much of a purpose, do you? You just think he's like this, wannabe, this, this rock star that's washed up. Again, a bit of an archetypal character. 
you don't think he's got much to add to it. But then obviously as the show progresses, he does. He's, especially in the, I guess, the second half of the pilot. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, he goes on the goes on the expedition. Yeah, I, I've always I've always really liked Charlie, and I don't know if it's sort of residual affection for for the actor. You know, because I love Lord of the Rings, obviously, and you you recognize his face from that. He's just you just enjoy him in the show because he's like that sort of cheeky chappy sort of character. You know, they kept him as a Brit, which was always good. Yeah. So you've got that. Yeah. Um, I guess then what I'd I'd move on a little bit. So obviously they spend the time figure trying to figure out where they are. And if I remember rightly, they is it at the end of the no, that's part two. Was it part one? I can't remember. I only watched it the other night. <laughs> <laughs> so they go they go to find the transceiver. If I if I'm correct, mm-hmm. at the end of part towards the end of part one, and that's when you get the monster for the first time well yeah. the night the, the sorry when night falls you get the the loud noises and the crashing trees mm-hmm. and then obviously they go for the transceiver and you get the first interaction i guess with what this monster may be mm-hmm. i personally forgot that it was even teased in the, these early stages i don't know about yourselves oh yeah yeah i i, I sort of had that thought as well and there's a couple of things in the episode. I was like, "Oh, they're doing this this early." I thought this was maybe like episode five or six, um, and, and the monster yeah. was definitely definitely one of them. Um, it's quite funny though. Whenever it um, attacks the the cockpit, I, I I mean, obviously at that stage, I don't think they were planning on it having having it be the smoke monster that we all know, you know, because you don't see anything at all. <laughs> they're like, just have something chase them. We'll again, we'll figure it out later. Um, but but it's, yeah. I mean, it works really well. It's really really tense um it, it, it reminded me a little of um oddly uh one of the jurassic parks i think maybe just because they're in a cockpit but um yeah yeah it's it's just it's it's really strange to see the the, the differences between what it what it is in the pilot and what it becomes yeah i got some serious horror vibes in this yeah. pilot yeah. from i mean like you say the cockpit it's very much like the t-rex um attack in the original Jurassic Park mm-hmm. but it's just I didn't even realize when the pilot gets taken out that there was the blood splatter <laughs> on the yeah, window that was a bit strange you don't often see that on like a network tv show anyway no you definitely don't but, like just the build-up of it I was getting some serious horror vibes I thought wow they're really pulling this off I don't remember it being quite like this yeah and, and when they when they open the door and the co-pilot just boom, falls straight down oh yeah I've forgotten completely about that, and that did make me jump. <laughs> it's straight out of Resident Evil, that. Like, <laughs> opening up the lockers and, like, a body just falls out. Yeah. <laughs> you just think, ah, crap. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it really works to add that tension because, and I think straight away you're like, okay, this isn't a normal island. I know that sounds daft, but, you know, straight away you hear those noises and you think, hey. Yeah. I mean, just out of curiosity, I don't know. If you can remember it all, but what did what were your thoughts on the monster being? I guess I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> no, I don't think I did. I when I what well, when we first see the monster in its, in its smoky form, like without just the sound. Well, I guess I guess just I guess just you see the trees moving, the pilot, and you think, what what did you think that was initially? Like you hear it, and you think you just see a dinosaur or what? <laughs> 
conga party come out from the bushes sort of thing. <laughs> hey, come and join. It's blowout season or something. Big summer uh, blowout. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Spring break. You know. I don't know. It, I just, I, I thought, my initial thought was, okay, something, there's some kind of research facility going on here and they're making like oh, sick hybrids of animals of like, you know, owls and badgers or something. <laughs> badgers. Horrible, cute, these horrible hybrids of animals in there. If they ever reboot Lost, which I hope they don't, they need to put badges in it. <laughs> I, I, actually, when I first saw that, when that scene was playing out, I I was thinking to myself, like it wouldn't have been funny if it just like a little like a little ferret just ran out after after all that tension. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I'll just where was I? Oh yeah, so. The cockpit, they're in the cockpit. Charlie disappears into the bathroom, which we later find out is for his drugs. Um, <laughs> but they awaken uh, the concussed pilot, who, as we've already mentioned, is Mr. Abrams' best friend. Uh, and he relays to them that they lost radio contact about six or seven hours into the flight. And uh, they buggered it up for whatever reason and went to Fiji <laughs> and didn't quite make it. Like a thousand miles off course or something. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, that felt like a big number. That's that's a long way to like be off. Co- yeah. I, I, that's another classic, um, you know, stranded at sea or whatever archetype. I think it's like we were definitely a thousand miles. Of course, you're like, is it closer to four hundred? Maybe I don't. Thousand feels a lot, but obviously, you get the revelation that whoever's looking for them will not be finding them at all. And that, I guess, kind of sets the show up for some longevity, in a way. You've got at least a season or two in there, haven't you? But I think with the addition of like the monster, and then obviously as the pilot keeps going, I think what the the best thing that this pilot manages to do, aside from introducing all these characters, is actually give you reason to keep watching it. Like, you know there's a story in this. There's a lot of it. Yeah. I had written down again at the end of the episode just to see what um, sort of what hanging threads there were just from the opening two episodes. So I have four things. There's there's the monster, obviously. Um, So we don't know what that's about. There's the polar bear. We don't know what that's about. Um, There's the the French woman on the the radio. Oh yeah, yeah, that was great. And also there's there's Kate. You know what's what's going on with her? Um, Because the uh, what is it? The marshal that wakes up eventually yes, at the end yes yes that's correct so that's that's like four pretty interesting mysteries you know to to keep you hooked i thought yeah i mean let's talk about the french woman because i mean i i remember being very scared by that again the horror vibes were quite i mean when i was younger i was scared by it not na- not as much now but just that that sense of dread you know it's it's all these it's all <laughs> to use an onion i guess it's like the the general idea you know you're peeling off the layers mm. Yeah. And you just think there's more and more story here. Like, oh, there's a voice. Yeah, we're saved. No, it's not as simple as that. Yeah. Like, I, and obviously that does bear some interesting fruit further on into the show, even this mm. season, I believe. Yeah. But just that initial sense of absolute dread and loss. Mm. There's, there's, you know, they're a thousand miles off course and then he gets eaten by the monster. <laughs> um, you've got the transceiver, but you can't get a signal. And then you do fix it a little bit. They go on their little walk, <laughs> find the polar bear, shoot it. <laughs> <laughs> but then you get this revelation that for whatever reason, 
it's been looping for 15 or 16 years, I think Saeed yeah. says. Yeah. Oh, and Shannon does serve a purpose there, thinking about it, because she knows French all of a sudden. French, that's right, that's right. It's it's a really great scene. That, like, it's it's really panicky and, and just, it strikes the right tone, because everybody's talking over each other, and you're, you're following the thread of her translating the French and Saeed working out the, the numbers, uh, the, the, the iterations of the, the message. Uh, and then everybody else panicking in between and Sawyer giving off to Saeed at the same time. Yeah. And then uh, it all ends with, with Charlie's iconic line. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Like so many mysteries to keep you hooked. And it's just uh, like I'm trying not to constantly go, I just love Lost, but I really do just love Lost. I really, really do. It's my favorite show. I mean, yeah. for for the for all it's good, don't get me wrong, it had some bad moments, and I'll definitely we'll definitely discuss those as they come about for me personally, <laughs> anyway. But just because it was for me the first of its kind that I'd ever watched, mm-hmm. it's so sentimental for me. I can't not say there are arguably better shows in a way, but for me, it's just the absolute best. Yeah, I, I, can I can't get past it all. And I mean, just whilst we mentioned, whilst you mentioned Charlie's iconic line, I think to end it on there, because there's such, obviously it begins with all the chaos, you get the weirdness, so you get in the idea of the supernatural or whatever is going on on this island, mm-hmm. then you get a sense of hope, you know, you've got the transceiver, could they get saved, and then finally, it's kind of like a, the, 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 the group are resolved to being lost. <laughs> without mm. you know any pun they're just like oh shit where are we yeah what, what is actually happening and i just think that is that was so powerful to end on that and then obviously take you into the rest of the season mm-hmm. nice. yeah again I, I can't i can't argue and um one that i I sort of I, I had forgotten about is the the way the episodes open with just the word lost coming towards you and the way they end just with that boom lost right yeah. at the end just like like a, like a full stop on the end of this it's like that's where we're leaving you this is our cliffhanger for this week boom <laughs> i completely forgot about the title card and um i forgot that it's intentionally distorted you know the words uh, as it comes towards you i remember thinking as the other night as my tv gone to pot <laughs> <laughs> thinking that's not right and then i remembered they did that on purpose but it's definitely <laughs> sometimes you don't need a big opening credits that's just perfect, no. and and the sound is very unsettling as well. They blew their budget on obviously the filming and the production, so <laughs> <laughs> the title card had to be cheap as possible. Yeah, you can imagine that. You can imagine the meeting, can't you, between like Abrams and Lindelof? Is like, right, we need a title <laughs> card. What do we do? And like, well, shit, JJ, we just spent forty million dollars blowing up a plane, <laughs> and you know, introducing <laughs> these guys. What do you want to do? And he's like, I've got it. <laughs> Let's have it the word loss spinning towards the camera. Okay, why not? So my other my other thing I noticed is obviously you get very little flashbacks in this episode because obviously you're introducing all the characters. But you do get a couple, and they're predominantly on the plane itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I really liked was, I always like it when shows or films do this, but when you see the same scene played out from different perspectives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always find that really cool. So obviously the initial one is Jack sitting opposite Rose um, saying about, I forgot his name, her husband who does eventually um, 
pop up. Uh, well, but they're talking about him. It's going to kill me that. Yeah, we'll just say Neville for now. Oh, is it is it Bernard? Uh, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Is it Bernard? Bernard? Yeah, yeah, something like that. So they're, they're sat talking, obviously. It all goes tits up. Plane's going down. Um, but then you get the same perspective from Charlie. Mm-hmm. And then you get the same perspective with Kate as well. And it's just really, I found it, I don't know if you agree, but I just found it really cool how you got those perspectives all around the plane almost. Uh, but then you see the tail end go off. And and you just know immediately the story there. And obviously they do go on to do that. Mm-hmm. But it, it's just, it was just this idea that there's all these possibilities that they could do with this show. They literally gave themselves free reign. It was just so well written. Yeah. But like, I love how, um, like, as you mentioned, I love the, the overlapping flashbacks between the three of them, but I love how it, it, each one escalates. So you see Jack, but Jack passes out um, when, the, when they hit the turbulence and then you get Charlie and he gets knocked around a bit. And then it's not until Kate's flashback, which is quite near the end of the second episode, I think. Um, where yeah. you see what you want to see. It's a bit like, when are they going to get to the fireworks factory? Um, but then, then <laughs> yeah. you see the, the tail come off at the, at the very end, and you're like, oh, right, okay. That's what I wanted to see this whole time. Um, that was at least $7 million. <laughs> <laughs> what thought. Yeah, but no, it's it's really good. It, like, it, it builds the tension with each one of those flashbacks, and then you just you just see the whole thing just completely go to hell in, the, in Kate's one. It's, yeah, very good. Ramps up the tension nicely. Yeah, and I think it gets you used to the idea that this is how the show is going to go going forward. You know, you get the mm, idea yeah. that these flashbacks will become a focal point, if not, in some cases, the most important aspect of the show, depending mm-hmm. on the character involved. Does anything else happen in it? <laughs> I think that's about it, um, really. We covered it. Yeah, I think we've covered um, it. We had that kind of that cool kind of introduction to Locke. Oh, yeah. Him and Walt, and he started talking about, you know... Um, the history of checkers and then you get that that um the theme of duality stuff kind of struck strikes up in that scene um oh yeah black and white yeah yeah i'm gonna say Um, that's i guess you could it it, yeah those are the main themes of the show but there's so many themes that it introduces doesn't it yeah oh yeah big time because i mean you've definitely got like i think it was the name of an episode actually but the man of science obviously you get jack and just with that little scene, you get the man of faith in Locke. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. I mean, effectively, yeah, you do have a lot of opposing ideals um, all around. Um, you know, Jack and Sawyer have this, um, you know, they have this difference of opinion how to like uh, how to run things. and um, But yeah, the most prominent one is Jack and Locke. Because um, I think in the early seasons... There wasn't much of a. I might be completely wrong. Wasn't much of a any altercation between them. It only kind of started brewing later on. I might be completely wrong about that though. No, I think you're right, and I think it only really comes to a head initially. I think it's all stemmed from the hatch, the idea of the hatch and, yeah. and what what is it. And Jack's more or less dismissive of it, and it doesn't need to be unearthed. We don't really. I mean, I haven't got that far yet in re- rewatch. I can't really remember, but I do know that. Locks absolutely hell bent on opening it because it's some, you know, mis- it's a sign. It's a sign. It's a mystical thing. It needs to be opened. Yeah. And Jack's mm. just like, "What do you expect to get from it?" He yeah. doesn't take that leap of faith. Just interestingly, I'm reading a bit more trivia. Just whilst we've covered the episode, but 
just interesting about going back to Shannon, despite being a terrible character, just keep finding her. Initially, apparently the producers were looking for someone who had a Paris Hilton quality. <laughs> but she oh, could okay. not just be shallow, as the storyline would require more than that. <laughs> oh, okay. She was written as an antipathetic character in the first season as the producers needed a character they could use to create opposition and conflict. So I guess just shouting at people was her way of doing opposition and conflict. Mission accomplished, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess in a way, it's a genius character. Yeah. And also, uh, I did not know this, but <laughs> one of the only shots that had to be reshot uh, for the pilot which I think in itself is a massive achievement to not really have to reshoot anything, um, was, the, was the polar bear, because apparently uh, there was a pre-broadcast commercial in the States and people were freeze-framing it and mocking the stuffed polar bear that they used <laughs> on the internet. Yeah I, I've seen, yeah, I think I've seen that picture somewhere. I might have to um, find it after this. Yeah, it's, it's just like a big teddy bear looking thing. <laughs> so ABC apparently promptly replaced it with a CGI bear. Because now that I think about it, you don't really see uh, even when it's dead. You know, you just see the yeah. fur and kind of the back of it, don't you? You don't really actually see yeah. the bear itself. <laughs> That's brilliant. I love stuff like this. Little like tidbits about episodes. So yeah. I think that's everything for now. Smashing. So that just takes takes you nicely into episode three, which I believe is called Tabula Rosa, but we can get to that on another later date. Um, so thank you guys for joining me. Killing some quarantine time. <laughs> I wonder how long, how far we'll get into the, the show before this... Uh... <laughs> Well, to be honest with you, given what they've been saying, I don't know. We could probably finish it <laughs> <laughs> at this rate. Who knows? But we'll definitely do it again. I'm, I'm up for it. Yeah. I'm going to keep. Yeah, thank nice. you, man. It's been good to revisit. I'm, I'm glad I wasn't just talking. I'm glad I just wasn't talking to myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Thank you very much for having us. Get watching the episode, episode three then, I guess, and we'll decide when we'll do it again. <laughs> <laughs>